Yes, Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for the ways you have loved us, God. Our response of love to you is in the response to your great love that has been poured out for us. And so, Lord, we are asking for just greater and greater revelations of your great love that we might in turn respond to you and love you, to express love to you, to love those around us in the way that we have been loved. Thank you, God, that you are here with us today, that you are leading us, that your plans and purposes for us are good, that your promises towards us are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so we receive from you this morning, God. We wanna receive from the truth of your word and we wanna respond to the truth of your word. We wanna respond to to who you are and the the revelation of, of your love for us, that we might leave this place looking differently than when we came in. God, you're so good, we love you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again and welcome to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here at Antioch. And we have been in a series uh, talking about one family together on mission. And this is a word of the Lord for us as the people of God that we want to invite you into. It's a journey that he's taking us on. We spent the month of January talking about family and what does it look like to be the the covenantal family of God and what what does that mean for us? We've been taking this month to look at mission. What does it look like to live missionally for the glory of God and to be a a family that that lives on mission together? And uh, and so I'm so thankful that you're here to go on that that journey with us. One of our our theme passages of scripture has been out of 2 Timothy 2, and I'm going to read it. You're going to probably be hearing it on and off for the the remainder of this year, uh, so we can just keep uh, getting used to that. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, where Paul, writing this letter to a young disciple of his Timothy says, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And one of the reasons that this has become a theme verse for us for this year is as we think about the, the, the culture that we, that we live in and the state of our culture and uh, the, the divisiveness in, in our culture and the animosity and at times the, uh, the, 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 um, the hatred towards the, the person of Jesus or the things of God, we find ourselves in, in, a, in a unique time in, in our history. And, uh, and particularly this year, much of that will be heightened around uh, the, the the political season that we're in and uh, will only heighten as the year goes along. And so one of the things that God has really been speaking to us is what does it look like not to be entangled in civilian affairs, but rather to, to, be, to, um, to focus on or trying to please the commanding officer. What does it look like to be in the world, but not of the world? What does it look like to engage our culture, but not be entangled in the things of culture? What does it look like to be the pillar and support of truth uh, while proclaiming the love of Jesus? Uh, and so this is, this is the kind of the, the backdrop uh, that, we, that we live in. And so these are the questions that we're asking as we're invited to what does it look like to be a a soldier of Christ Jesus, to live missionally, to have a mission, a missional mindset, uh, to recognize, okay, there's things that God has called us to do and to be about. How do we remain clear on what that is and and how to do it rather than getting entangled in the things of the world? And so we're going to be extrapolating that in different ways through different passages of Scripture throughout this year. And uh, this particular uh, series that we're in is uh, on, on missional living uh, is, is a study out of 2 Corinthians 6. And so we've been there the last few weeks. We're gonna be there again the next couple of weeks uh, as, as we look at, at what it means to, to be on mission together and where we begin with that. 
And so let me just take us on that journey a little bit again. And if you've been here, this will be a little bit of a repeat. If you haven't had the opportunity to be here the last couple of weeks, this will be a catch up for you a little bit. But uh, we, we have just before 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 5. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about being ministers of reconciliation. That that's, that's the, this call of following Jesus is that we're, we're ministers of reconciliation. That is that we're, we're sharing with the world around us that God has made a way for us to be reconciled, for relationship to be restored, that we might know him and walk with him. In that passage in 2 Corinthians um, five, what, what it's, it's it, actually Paul is saying that we're ambassadors and as ambassadors, what we're doing is we're imploring you to be reconciled to God. We're saying, won't you consider won't, won't you just come, won't you come and hear about who he is and what he's done for you and how he loves you and consider being reconciled to him, uh, turning away from sin and turning to, to Jesus. And, and uh, he's committed to all of us this ministry. It's the ministry of God. It's, it's what he's been about uh, since the fall of mankind is how can I restore relationship uh, to the ones that I created in my own image whom I have loved and who I've made to, to walk in relationship with me. So we join with him. And in fact, that's how 2 Corinthians 6 starts. It says, and working together with him. This is already his ministry, okay? This is what he is about. Uh, this is what he's doing in the people uh, in your lives, all around you. He's already working and moving and he's asking who will work with me to be an ambassador, a coworker of Jesus in these things, not to receive the grace of God in vain, but to recognize that there is a grace for you to do the ministry that God has called you to. There is a grace that he's given you and your, the ministry that he's given you, the way that that ministry of reconciliation takes shape will look different for different people all across this room. It, it, will, it will take a different shape because of the ways that you're gifted, because of your personality, because of where he's placed you in the world or around you. And some of, some of you will be doing things in the church. Some of you will be doing things outside of the church, in, in neighborhoods, in workplaces. And it's, but it's this heart of being, having this ministry of reconciliation. And, and really, we're challenged to hold this uh, tightly, to own, to own it. And I think that's been the biggest impetus. So that's why I don't mind repeating it again in this entire series is that we would come to a place of ownership, of recognition that I have a ministry that God's given me to the world around me. And you may not feel equipped. You may feel like, why me? In fact, the author of this letter said the same thing. Why he chose me to do what I'm doing, I don't know. Like I'm the least of all of these. Like there, there's a lot of people he could have picked, but what I do know is he chose me to do this work and so I'm gonna do it is basically how he ended up. And so by the grace of God and by the power of God, I'm gonna do what he's called me to do. And I don't have to figure out the why or the whatever. I'm gonna throw out the insecurity and the why it should not and just say, but he has. And so I'm gonna walk out in it by the grace of God and by the power of God. And that, that's, that's what Paul did in his own life. And now he's charging us to do the same thing here in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and and he, he calls us to take it seriously. Okay, so hear this again, that we take so seriously the, the ministry that God's given us uh, that he says this, give no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. And I don't think there's many of us who, who take so seriously the ministry, the personal ministry that God has given us to the world around us, to friends, to family members, to coworkers, to classmates, like that we take so seriously the ministry that he's given us that we're considering morning by morning, every day when we wake up, okay, I wanna live today um, uh, in, in such purity and in such devotion and such selflessness so that I might not discredit this ministry that God has given me today with the people that I'm gonna interact with today, that, that we would take it that, that seriously that God has charged me as a follower of Christ uh, unto the ministry that he's given me. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And, and actually, I wanna do, do something um, a little different here. If you'll, if you'll give me just a couple of minutes to do this and, and kind of, it'll be a little bit more participatory. Yes, <laughs> participatory, there you go. Um, 
so there's this beautiful passive scripture in Mark 3.14. It says that he called the disciples or he chose the apostles or appointed the, the 12 that they might be with him. And there's a few more things it says that they might be with him, that they might preach the gospel, that they might uh, cast out demons. But, but I want us to, to focus just on, on that first one for a second. That he, he called the disciples that they might be with him. And I think we need to just take a moment and hear that and receive that this morning. Because I recognize that in a room this size that we're coming in this Sunday with all, all kinds of things from the week before. Things that are discouraging. Things that, that we've done that cause us to think all those things I just negated about like why we can't or why we shouldn't and we're coming in with that. We're, some of us are coming in with sadness, with, with a heaviness. And actually in our pre, pre-service time of prayer and worship that we have every week at 9 a.m. Uh, that anybody's welcome to come to, that's one of the things that God really led us into was, was taking off a, a spirit of heaviness. And, and, and I recognize that we, some of us have come in with a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of despair, and, and God's wanting to replace it with a spirit of praise and a, a place of acceptance and in, 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 in comfort in his arms. And so what, what I want us to do is just to take a moment and, and meditate on that truth that he called the disciples that they might be with him. So before we go into, oh yeah, this is my ministry and I need to do this and that and, and I've got to do this and this is what I have to do because this is what he's given me. Remember that the very first thing, and there were other things that they might preach, that they might cast out demons, but the very first thing was what? That they might be with him. And so I want us to do this for just a second. It's an old uh, a spiritual discipline or spiritual practice that's been around for a very long time and they're, they're called breath prayers. It's just short little prayers taken from the word of God that we're able to just kind of under our breath to speak out throughout a day or, or just, to, just to breathe in and breathe out and let it kind of enter into us. And so here's what that is. He called me because he wants me to be with him. So it's a breath prayer because you're almost, it's very short. It's just like you, as you breathe in, he called me because he wants me to be with him. He called me because he wants me to be with him. And so I'm just gonna give you about a minute here. And it might seem like a long time because we're gonna be still and we're gonna be quiet. And I just want you as many times as you breathe in and out for that minute, I want you to, to say that prayer. Based off of, of Mark 3:14, he called me because he wants me to be with him. So let's just pray that out. Let's let that, that truth of God's word sink into our hearts. as we talk about living missionally and as God begins to speak, hopefully with greater and greater clarity, what that looks like in your life and that there are action points to that. There are ways that we live. There are conversations that we engage in. There are, are ways that we, we show kindness to those around us. There are things that we will do, but let us never get away from this place that in the heart of the Father, is a desire to be with us. 
And that first and foremost is why he calls us to himself to walk with him in this way. And, you know, one of the things that I think God wants to do is we, in, in, in increasing measure, own the ministry that he's given us and, and come to understand it is that we would move from uh, a place of, of it being intentional or, uh, or, or forced or this is what I'm supposed to do. So for me, for example, uh, confession, I am not at all a, a disciplined or administrative person. That has been uh, a thorn in the flesh and something I've worked on most all of my life. Uh, and still to the dismay of some around me, I have not conquered. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, as many calendars as I put in place or reminders for this or, you know, schedules for this or lists, I've tried the list thing. I, I like checking things off and it lasts for about two weeks. And, you know, and, but, but, you know, it's something that I'm always working on. It doesn't come natural, but the things that are important and I try to, to, to make, it, make it happen, right? Um, and there are other things that I, I don't have to do that. Some, some of you do that well on your own. That, that's what you do, uh, and you're wired more that way. But there's things like eating, that, that doesn't happen with me, right? Like uh, I don't have to be disciplined around times of eating. Uh, some of you may get so busy that you forget to eat lunch. That doesn't ever happen to me. I, <laughs> I, if I'm too busy and I miss lunch, I don't forget. I, I'm complaining and I'm, I'm feeling like I need to eat lunch. And so what, what Jesus says about the, the ministry that God gave him is, is this in John 4:34. my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so I think there's something that, uh, that, that we that God is wanting to do in us where it becomes that innate, that so much a part of what we do that, that it's like food. And, and not only that, but, but it's actually sustaining for us. It's, it's nutrients for us to do the, the will of him who sent me. And, and so there's something that there's a change in the way that we look at the way we live missionally or the way that we own ministry. This like, this is just a part of who I am, the way that I live life. It's not even something that I have to have structured times to do it or not do it. Um, I, I just, it's, it's, it's what I do. It's the way I think, and I, I'm motivated uh, because of the enjoyment of it. I'm, I'm motivated because of what I, I receive from it. I'm, I'm motivated in, in these ways, and I, I, there's purpose um, in the, the why I do what I do as it relates to the calling of God, the ministry that he's given me, okay? So God's gonna be continually, I, I hope and pray in my own life and in your life to build out what it looks like for you to carry the ministry of Jesus, so much so that again, let me revisit here before we break ground into the new passage of scripture. We're getting there soon, I promise. Um, but, uh, but so that we would, we would so consider it that we would live a life that would give no cause for offense so that the ministry will not be discredited, but rather in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God. Now, now one other point I do wanna make, and I think it's, I think it's really important. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but, but, I, uh, but I, I wanted to add a little bit to it because there was something in my notes last week that I didn't say that I think needs to be said because we, we talked about the way that we live and, and we're gonna certainly be continuing to talk about that today, not being a stumbling block. Our, our attitudes or our selfishness or those types of things is saying here, like I don't want anything to be a stumbling block. I don't want anything to cause offense in another person that would discredit the message of reconciliation on my life. It's just not worth it. It's for me to get my way or, or, or for me to complain or for me to whatever it is, like it's not worth it if the ministry of reconciliation that's in the heart of God would be discredited through it. And I think we just have to have that in right balance, right? And so we, we don't, we don't want to live that life. Now, now here, here's a distinction I want to make. The message of Christ is a stumbling block, Okay, so it's not, it's not that. And I just wanted to make that, it, we're talking about the way that we live and our attitudes and our treatment of other people, but it's very clear scripturally. Let me read, uh, first of all, in 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 23, it says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who would believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, 
a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And so it, this, is, this is not about the message of Christ not being a stumbling block. This is not about uh, watering down the message that God has given us. Uh, we, we see very clearly, 2 Corinthians 2, um, just before this, a couple of passages before, or um, chapters before this, it says this in verses 14 through 16. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Okay, so this is their ministry, right? They're spreading the aroma of Christ. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and, those who are being, and to those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma that brings death and to the other, an aroma that brings life, and who is equal to such a task. And so again, there is an aroma of, of our lives, of this message that's being preached, and to some, uh, it will be a, a, a smell of life, and to others, the stench of death. And so the, the message is clear, uh, the gospel message, and we, we recognize that in the preaching of the gospel, Christ crucified, that there will be stumbling blocks. It doesn't mean that if you live your life just right and cause no offense for people, then, then, uh, then everyone will, will respond. We know that the message itself and the truth of the message uh, will be a stumbling block. What we're speaking of is the way that we live our lives, the way we, we carry out and walk out the Christian faith. Last week, we began this list, right? And this is a, a, one of those long, uh, what there would be kind of a Pauline and all the letters that Paul wrote. Uh, uh, he has these lists in there that are very potent and powerful where you're packing in a lot of information into a, a, a short, uh, a short uh, passage. And uh, we've divided it up into th- this list into three different uh, messages. And even so, there's nine things that we have to cover today, okay? So it's gonna be quick. Don't, don't, don't worry too much. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna run through them pretty quickly. Um, but what I, what I do want to say is this, uh, this may be a good Sunday to take notes. And that's not because it's going to be the most amazing message you've ever heard. It's primarily because, uh, though I hope God speaks to us all, but I, but I, my, my uh, reason for saying that is because we're going to be hitting a, a lot of scripture today, more so than most. Uh, oftentimes we'll take one kind of uh, chunk of scripture and really, really unpack it. Uh, today we are going to be doing that out of 2 Corinthians 6, but there are so many things that we're going to be hitting um, and, and scripture that are gonna come up out of it that we're not gonna have time to unpack them all. Uh, but with these nine things, I would encourage you to take this next week and, and take some of the passages that we're bringing up and just use them as uh, quiet time material through the week of spending time with God and letting this word go deeper in us throughout the course of the week. Um, and so you may just wanna at least jot down some of these, these passages of scripture. And so, uh, so with that, we started here this morning, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, this theme verse for us for the year. We're reading uh, this morning out of 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 7. Uh, John 4:34, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And then uh, again, this, this idea of the, the gospel being a stumbling block is 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 23. Just for any of the, the catch up for that, because I do think there's a place of us meditating on these things that we would go deeper and allow this to sink deeper in us, okay? So last week, this list began and it was difficult. It, it, it was challenging because it, it was talking about suffering and that's where he began. Okay, our ministry, as we walk out in ministry, first of all, we have to realize in our obedience to God, in standing strong for the gospel, that it doesn't, that does not equate to a, a, a perfect life that's a cakewalk and there is no uh, a, oppression or there is no um, adversity in your life. In fact, quite the opposite of that or the message of the prosperity gospel is actually this, that, hey, when you walk out in this calling, be, be prepared in, for it, having to endure. Um, it, be prepared for afflictions, for hardships, for distresses, imprisonments, in, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. And so it's like there, there is, it's not always an easy road. In, in our obedience to Christ, uh, the, the journey is not, well, I'm claiming this right, or I, I'm, I'm pursuing life, liberty, and happiness, or uh, all these kind of even uh, American rights that we have are not biblical rights that are promised to us. So he's talking about, hey, be ready for imprisonment. 
for, for being beaten. And so we, we have a, certain freedoms and liberties that we're so grateful for, but those are not present uh, for all believers all over the world, right? And so we, we understand that there, there will be adversity, there will be opposition for those that take seriously the ministry that God has given them. And that's just something that where, where Paul wants to shoot it straight from the, from the front, from the beginning, um, to not sugarcoat, but say, hey, who, who's in it though? And, and what he's also describing is that this is actually a sign uh, of the, the power of the ministry of Christ. When, when people see that you're willing to suffer in this way, that there's something more valuable that you're after than worldly pleasures or comforts. When they see that uh, there, you, would rather, you would choose suffering uh, over an easier life because of the call of God, there, there's something powerful that that speaks to a, a world, uh, the world, the culture that we live in that's looking for comfort and for ease and for success. And so uh, we demonstrated in those things. And so so often that, that first part of the list are things that happen to us. There, there's imprisonments, there's, there's suffering, there's persecution, and there, it's how we respond to that. That we, we, we um, as it says there in, in verse four, that we commend ourselves as servants of God, even in these things. Going on in this list today, it goes on and says, describes how we actively commend ourselves as servants of God how we show that we are servants of God. And it says this in our, in our continuation of the list today, it says that we not only do it in the sufferings, but we, we do it beginning in verse six, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. Okay, so here's where we begin the list. We can make, continue to make those notes and just uh, really what I'm believing is that there are maybe uh, two or three that God wants to highlight for you this morning. Um, it's a little overwhelming if you were to highlight all nine of them. And so if there's just two or three, God, give us two or three that we can take home and, and, and dive into and say, Lord, let this, be, um, let this be evidenced in me that I might commend myself to the world around me as a servant of God. Okay, so the first one is impurity. It's just the uprightness of life. It is, it, is a, it is a cleanness in living, that you have been washed, that there is a, there is a cleanliness. That, and, and this one is, is pretty evident for us in the way that, that, we would, uh, that we would be sanctified, that there would be clear evidence that the, the, the pleasures of the world and what the, the world runs after is different than what we seek after, and that there would be an integrity of living in the, the things that we, we believe and hold dear would be the same things that are true even when no one's looking, that there is an integrous life that's, that's, uh, that's um, the same in, in every season. And so this purity um, is, is the first thing that we're, we're commissioned to live out. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So again, this is doubling down. And one thing you'll find in, in pretty much every passage of scripture that I'm gonna be sharing today is from a different uh, letter that Paul wrote. And so this is language that he uses in different places and re-emphasizes in ways that it looks like for us to live out the ministry that God's given us. And so in his letter to Timothy that we read from even earlier, he, he uses this idea of being cleansed cleansed from the things of the world, walking in purity, that person will be a vessel for honor. That person will be sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So a preparation for the work of ministry that God's called you to is first going to the place of, I'm gonna walk in purity. There, there's gonna be a cleanness. There's gonna be a purity uh, of heart and mind in the way that I, that I live and the things that I look at and what I allow to get into my heart. I wanna guard my heart and mind in those ways. And so we are, wanna be a people who run after the things that are, that are pure, holy and set apart. Secondly, um, it's knowledge, that we commend ourselves as servants of God in knowledge. And specifically, as we understand this use of the, the term knowledge, it, it simply means understanding. There is a, a seeking to know. 
uh, often when you, when you read the word knowledge in the Bible, there's, it's not only just a, a gathering of information, it's the pursuit of the knowledge. It is, it is, the, it is, the, it is the, the seeking to know um, him. And, uh, and no, it's the knowing of spiritual truth and, and specifically to know experientially. Uh, it makes me think of, of Proverbs 2, uh, and the kind of verses 1 through 4 there, this, the language that it uses is turn your ear towards wisdom. So you're turning your ear, apply your heart to understanding, call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, look for it as silver, search for it as hidden treasure. So there's this searching, there's this seeking, there's a pressing in to know and it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Okay, so there is a pursuit of the, the knowing of God and understanding the fear of God and the ways of God that come through knowledge. And so I want to admonish us to have uh, in this knowledge, to have a knowing, to having a seeking out the heart of God, the the character and nature of God that we might know him and walk in the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And so there is a pursuit there for us in, in the way that we commend ourselves. We also commend ourselves to God as servants of God through our patience. And, and uh, literally this, this word is long temper. So as opposed to a, a word that we would use, a short temper. So this literally means a long temper, a long holding out of the mind before it's given to action, that we want to have a long fuse, not a short fuse. Um, it describes a, an emotional state of, of calmness or quietness, and specifically in the face of provocation. And, and so I think, I, I think of the, the list that we just read, the, the, the list that came just before, the first part of the list uh, that talked about the suffering and the, the ways that you're wronged, that, that patience is displayed uh, specifically or maybe most poignantly in, in the face of such opposition, in the face of such persecution. It's the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. This is a, a long suffering. It's the ability to, ha to, to have a long suffering and to, to not, not retaliate, the, the ability to show restraint, to bear up under uh, the, the, the afflictions of, uh, the, of life or that are put upon you without retaliating. Um, and <clears throat> what I would say about that is that it, it displays uh, some of the hallmark characteristics of God who over and over we're told is slow to anger, slow to anger. I think patience is the thing that, you know, anytime in a, a worship leader is up there and like, hey, let's just share some things we're thankful for about God, you know, in a small group setting. I think this is almost always the one I say. I just, I'm just so thankful that he's patient with me that he, he's endured my stupidity, that he's endured my failures, that he's endured my shortcomings, that he's, uh, he's, he's been slow to anger when there's lessons that I should have learned and I know better and I still act wrongly or not accordingly to the truth that I know. I'm so thankful that he's slow to anger. I'm so thankful that his mercies are new every morning. Praise God that he's, that he's patient with us, and, and one of the things, and, and as I was doing a little study on some of these words this, this week, one of the things that I found is that patience and kindness, which is the next one in our list, are often used together. Patience and kindness, because patience is showing the, the strength and the capacity to be wronged or afflicted and not retaliate, to, to not show frustration, to not, to not operate in that way. And, and kindness is often put with it because that's the way you're supposed to actually act. It's not just the absence of retaliation, but actually in the face of that opposition or affliction or wrongdoing towards you, you're actually supposed to respond in kindness. Now, human nature is to respond in kind, right? You treated me like that? I, I, can, I, can, treat, I can show you some treatment. You know, you're gonna talk to me that way? Well, let me talk to you a little bit more that way. You know, like we, we, can, we can do that. There's something in us that's in, innate about that, but that is not the way of Christ. That is not the spirit of God within us, but actually uh, rather to respond in kind, in Christ, we are to respond in kindness. We're, we're to respond with kindness. 
And, and that's how, that's how we, we're, we, we demonstrate patience in the way that we don't retaliate. And we're able to, by the, by the Holy Spirit, to instead respond with kindness towards those around us. It's something that we, we learn from the way we've been treated by God. His kindness towards us. His, his, his unending kindness to me is, is incredible the way that he continually demonstrates kindness in Titus 3, verses three through six, it says, for we also once were foolish ourselves. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we had done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The juxtaposition of his kindness against our foolishness, our disobedience, our deception, our enslavement to lust and pleasures, our spending our life in malice, our envy, our hate is remarkable. That's who we were until the kindness of God appeared. I wasn't sure if I was going to share it, but I, but I, but I came back across the, the story of, um, that, I, that I'd read before, uh, the story of Rosario Butterfield. And some of you may have read some of her books, but in her memoir, she speaks of her journey from coming out of a, a, a lifestyle of lesbianism into a, 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 a committed follower of Christ. And that journey is, is quite remarkable to see how Jesus leads her. Um, and it began one day as she was a, a professor, I believe at the University of Syracuse. And um, she, she published an article um, that was real, really scathing towards a, a, a Christian um, organization and, uh, and then she began getting this, uh, all, all this response to it. This was back where she posted in a, in a newspaper and then getting letters about it, right? And so, uh, and so she, she was receiving all these responses and she had two boxes on her desk. And one was for all the fan mail and one was for all the hate mail. And so she would read it and she would place it in, in those boxes. And she describes that one day, and she received a letter from a local pastor. And I, I want to read here um, what, uh, what she says about this two-page response. She said, it was a kind and inquiring letter. It had a warmth and civility to it in addition to its probing questions. It was the kindest letter of opposition that I had ever received. And what happened is that she didn't know where to put it. She literally didn't have a box for it. She didn't have a box for the, this kindness. It wasn't hate mail and it, and it wasn't fan mail. And so what she literally did, because she didn't know where to put it, she put it in the center of her desk. And for the next week, she saw that letter every day. And it so, prov so provoked her, something in her, that she ended up reaching out to that pastor. And she says, I, 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 please help me understand what this is. And they began to develop a, a friendship. And um, what, one of the things she says about them is that they talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. And the friendship with that pastor and his wife became a critical part of her journey to faith. And it's, a, it's an, an amazing story of kindness. And, and not just like, oh, I'm gonna sprinkle kindness around and these, gener these gestures of random kindness. And that's a good thing, but it's a very intentional kindness that I'm going to respond to the world around me and to the problems that we have and to, to the division, to people that are unlike me, I'm gonna respond with kindness, with a certain level of compassion. 
And, and kindness is not as the world describes. This kind of loving kindness is not the kind that the world describes that means you have to be accepting of every point of view or every lifestyle, but there can nonetheless be a kindness and a compassion uh, that still carries a clarity to the truth of the word of God. In fact, there's nothing more loving or kind that we can do to stick to the truth of God's word while expressing it with a kindness and affection towards people. And it is potent. Kindness feels kind of like a, a tame or a kind of a gentle word, right? Just be kind. Like it's basic. Like be kind to your sister, for goodness sake. Just be kind. Seems basic and yet it's so powerful, particularly in a, in a world that is so divided. So we add to our patience kindness. Next, uh, I want to say is genuine love. We're going to skip over Holy Spirit and come right back to it, but um, is genuine love. Um, the word here used is, is agape, and so it is an, an unconditional love. It is not a love with conditions. It is the love uh, that is spoken of about God. There are different words that the Bible, the Greek language uses for, word, for, for love, uh, and, and they're the one that they use for, for the way that God loves is this agape love, and, and even... Um, Peter and Jesus had this kind of interchange uh, right before Jesus uh, ascended into heaven and where, where Peter was being welcomed back basically into the family after rejecting Jesus or saying he didn't know him. And Jesus is like, I want you to, I want you to love people. I want you, do you, do you love me? Do you, do you agape me? And Peter keeps saying, I phileo you. And the phileo is this kind of brotherly love. And, and so there's this like, and then finally, the last time he asked him three times, the last time Jesus says, hey, do you phileo me? And he says, yes, I phileo you. And so obviously those words are used a little interchangeably in the Greek so that that wasn't completely awkward. Like, hey, I'm asking, do you agape me? And you keep saying you phileo me. Um, and yet at the same time, what I think we see there is that there is a call for us to, to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourself with an agape kind of love. And that there is, there is grace for movement towards that. Where Jesus finally says, okay, do you phileo me? Okay, great. But there's gonna come a time, he says to Peter, when, when you're gonna have to agape me because you're gonna be taken away and, and you're gonna be, what, what, what the Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us is that Peter ended up being crucified upside down. See, we became a martyr. And he's like, there's gonna come a time where you're gonna have, have to, if you're gonna carry the ministry that you've given me, uh, that I've given you, then you're gonna have to walk in an agape kind of love. And so obviously when, when we, we have love here, each of these, that's why it's a little difficult. Each of these could be an entire sermon of their own, right? And, and so we, you could talk about love a long time, but let us be challenged to move from, uh, it to, to certainly phileo, we wanna have a brotherly love for, for those around us, uh, but moving towards an agape love, which carries power, which has greater strength because phileo love can be weakened when, um, when it's like, well, I don't, but I don't really like that person, so I don't really love them anymore. It's hard for me to love them when I don't like them, but an agape love doesn't require for you to, quote unquote, like somebody or, uh, you know, have a bunch of things in common or uh, agree on important issues. It doesn't require that. It just requires uh, having been loved by God, transformed by it, recognizing that you too were disobedient, deceived, enslaved, envious, hateful, seeking pleasures, and yet he loved you. He showed his kindness and his love. It, agape love understands that. And so then they're able to love anybody, even if they are, are hateful towards them, even if they have malice and envy, even if they are enslaved to various lusts and pleasures in life, I can still love them because I have been loved by that kind of love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is how God demonstrated his love for us. And so we, we love. And then Holy Spirit, you know, um, we, we commend ourselves um, as servants of God by the, by the, by the Holy Spirit. And, and so I, I say that because those, those, those three just before it, patience, kindness, and love are all fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so in, in many ways, that's good news for us. That's like, man, I don't know if I can be that patient. I'm just not a very patient person. You know, kindness, I, I get easily angered or, or things frustrate me. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to do that. Well, the answer is you don't have to. You're, you are unable to. 
It is the fruit of the, the spirit working in you that allows you to do that. And so there is a surrender to the Holy Spirit. We commend ourselves as servants of God in the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit and the working of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so we, we, re, we rely upon the Spirit of God, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to, to be an encouragement to us. It's not, not something we have to do alone. Next is the word of truth. We commend ourselves as servants of God in the word of truth. Now, I wanna explain this in a couple of different ways. Probably what this is referring to is the gospel. And, and I, I say that because uh, in, in reading around a little bit, you find this the same phrase used in, by Paul a couple of other times. One is in Ephesians 1.13. It says, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Colossians 1.5 says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So it's, it's, it's often used as the gospel. The word of truth is, is the gospel. That, that is that everywhere that we go, we, uh, as to commend ourselves as servants of Christ, we carry the gospel. We carry good news. We, we carry hope. We, we carry a, a message of reconciliation. And so that, that's, the, that's the lead piece. That, that's the good news that we carry. That, that, no, that no longer is God counting men's sins against them, but he's made a way through the person of Jesus that we might know him and come to him as a, a child to their father created in his image to find purpose and, and meaning in life. Like this is good news that we don't ever, we don't no longer have to carry the, the weight of shame and guilt because of our sin and our lack, but he, he died so that we might be free of those things and we might follow him into places of life and not death. And so this is the good news. This is the lead piece. Don't bury the lead. This is, this is what we have, this message of hope, right? It's the gospel. Some of the translations also, and this is fine too. I think that's probably the best way to understand that. But some translations, uh, instead, instead of word of truth, they translate it truthful speech, which is also powerful. We, we carry truthful speech. And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier in that this message um, is not to be watered down. The message itself is a stumbling box. The message itself is, is both good news, uh, it is both the aroma of life, but it, it will also be the stench of death to some who, who, who do not believe, who, who reject the message of salvation. So in this idea of truthful speech, we, we read like in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. So again, we're talking about the ministry that God's given us. We do not lose heart, rather... We have renounced secret and shameful ways and we do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And so there, there, is, a, there, well, there is an understanding that, that we, we speak truth in love. As I said earlier, there's no more loving thing that we can do than to stick to the truth of, of God's word because God is love. And the things that are in his word are the most loving things that we can communicate to the world around us. End of question. They are the most loving things that we can communicate to, to, to the world, world around us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so this word of truth, we, we commend ourselves by walking in truth, by walking uh, with, the, with the gospel and walking in the truth of God's word. All right, the power of God, almost there, power of God. Um, so we commend ourselves by walking in the power of God. Wow, let me just, uh, I'm gonna read a few of these. Ready, write fast. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the, word of the for, the, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. 1 Corinthians 4, 20. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. 
Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. And the last one that I wanna read to you and commend to you is, a, is an idea of how we carry out our ministry is 1 Corinthians 2, one through five. And Paul says, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. We commend ourselves as servants of God by walking in the power of God, that there's a demonstration of the power of God in, in our speech and in our lives. And this is one for us to wrestle with. I gave you plenty of scriptures there, but like God is the, asking him, is, is your power being demonstrated in my life? And again, this is, this is one where you should take comfort. It's not just like, uh, I've got to muster up some power. You cannot do that. His power is made perfect in your weakness. It's, it's actually, it's the, the thing that demonstrates his power to the world is like, okay, well, I know they can't do that. You know, they are unable. That's not something they're just doing. There's something that God is doing in them and through them that is on display for those around us to see. So let us walk in the power of God. And, and to, to, to go there this week and, and say, God, what does that look like for me? How can I walk in places of power? And the last one is the weapons of righteousness. And, and let, me, let me say this about that. I, I think in some ways this whole list are weapons of righteousness. Um, in 2 Corinthians 10, three through five, it says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive in order to make it obedient to Christ. So what we see here is that there are weapons of the world and there are weapons of the spirit. Okay, we, we, and we gotta be careful which ones we are picking up. There is a battle. There is a battle that is raging around us. And we, we, it's nothing new. There's been a spiritual battle raging. There are seasons and moments in our lives where we maybe see that on display more. There, there may be, it's coming to the surface in different ways in this season in our culture in, in different ways than we've ever seen it before. And there's certain weapons that we may be enticed to pick up and use to, to in, in, with, with, a, with, a, with a right heart or with the right outcome in, in mind, but the wrong weapons that actually are not effective and end up doing more, more damage than, than, than good. And so we need to be careful and kind of understand that this list is a, is a list of some of the weapons. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. We can look at, at the, the, the Bible is, is one. It, the, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, right? Hebrews 4.12, faith. Uh, Hebrews 11 talks about the Old Testament heroes of faith who conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouth of lions through faith. Prayer, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, James 5, 16. So, and we see stories throughout scripture of the way prayer turned the tide in something. So prayer is some of the weapons that we pick up. Goodness, we are told in Romans 12, 21, we are to overcome evil with good, similar to kindness. And so there, there are different weapons that God gives us and there is a war that rages around us. And so we need to examine our life and ask the question, am I picking up? the right weapons. And I think it's interesting how, how it says it there, there in, in our passage of scripture for today, that the, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. So we, we need to be fully equipped for the right hand and the left. We don't have any room to hold on to any other weapons. There may be some weapons that we need to put down today that we've been carrying in the name of God that, that were really not weapons that he gave us to fight with. And then we need to put those down so that our right hand and our left can be equipped with weapons of righteousness. So what does it look like for us to, to pick up and to be equipped in weapons of righteousness? The last thing I'm gonna read here. In fact, I'm gonna invite you to just go ahead and stand with me. Because I wanna, I wanna read this over us. It's 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. 
And um, I think this kind of pulls it all together for us. It is a place of response for us. Because remember this passage is about commending ourselves as a servant of God. And so that's how this passage begins in 2 Timothy. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. And here's some repeats here. Servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents, uh, opposition must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We've got to enter into this battle and I know there's culture wars and all these kinds of things raging around us, but we have to enter into that battle with the heart of God. Owning the ministry that we've been given by God to be reconcilers, ambassadors of reconciliation, so that even in the midst of our opposition, that we, that we would not be quarrelsome, but kind, that we would be able to, to teach and instruct, but not be resentful, and that as we face opposition, we must be gentle in, in our instruction, in our giving of truth, with this hope, carrying this hope, that this being at the front of our mind, that God would grant them repentance that would lead to a knowledge of truth, that that's the hope, that's the only aim, not to be right, not to prove our point, that's not our aim. That's not our aim. Our aim is not even ultimately to make sure our country doesn't go this way or that way. Our aim on an individual, the person to person right in front of us level is that they would be granted repentance that would lead them to a knowledge of truth that they might spend their eternity face to face with Jesus and not separated him, not captive to do the will of the devil who they've been ensnared by, but that they would be released unto freedom, come to their senses. That's our prayer. That's our heart. And that, that's how people come to the knowledge of truth, what is really true, and begin to walk in it. So let us endeavor every day to pick up the right weapons. Let it be our aim. And if there are things that we're watching, things that we're listening to, things that we're reading that are inciting anger or fear or hate, put it down. Don't watch it anymore. Don't read it anymore. If it's inciting those things, put it away and get into the word of God that will instruct us in truth and righteousness, will give us the right weapons of warfare because it's not hate and it's not fear and it's not anger. And so Lord, would you have your way with us? Lord, would we be people that respond to your word? That, that hear this list from Paul and other places where he's re-emphasizing these things and that there would be a wholehearted response that we would own the ministry of reconciliation and that even in, in, in dissent and even in uh, affliction and suffering and even in opposition, we would show kindness. We would not be involved in quarrels, but rather in, in our sharing of truth and in our own conviction with the lead piece of the gospel, our hope and the thing that would drive us and the thing would, that would be on our mind, the prayer that would be happening in our hearts, even as we're speaking to those across the uh, across from us would be, Lord, would you, would you grant them salvation? Lord, would you show them the way of reconciliation? Uh, would you show them Jesus? Would you give them dreams in the night? God, would you, would you rescue them? God, they've been ensnared. They're, they're entrapped by the ways of, of, the, of the enemy. And, and Lord, would you set them free? God, would you change our hearts? Would you give us your heart? Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft and responsive to you, God. And so I'm just gonna open up the front right now. And if there's any weapons that you need to come and put down, you need to come and lay them down. 
And as you lay them down up here today, like, like, like in almost a physical, tangible way, I'm coming down and I'm dropping that weapon and I'm throwing it down. I don't wanna touch it anymore. And I'm not gonna let that get the best of me. And I'm not gonna let my mind run wild here. And I'm not gonna let hate towards even a, a specific person that I identify with a whole ideal or, or wrong thinking. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna let bitterness and hate uh, overtake me anymore. I'm laying down those weapons because they're no good. And just to receive this morning the, the, the weapons of his warfare, patience and purity and kindness and love and power in the Holy Spirit, the gospel message of hope. We wanna receive those things today. We're also gonna have some ministry team members. You guys can come on forward. And if you need prayer for anything, I would encourage you to come and receive prayer. God's arms are open wide to you today, wherever you are and wherever you are on the journey. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you about anything that's going on in your life, but let's not leave this place without responding wholeheartedly to God.